Hello, before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you know, if you're a musician and you're looking at releasing a song soon and you want to get it released on Spotify and Apple Music, Google Play, all the rest of them, and you don't know how to do that, DistroKid is the best way to do it. You upload your song, you upload your artwork, you click two buttons, and your song is out there to the whole world. I'm not just saying this. It's the one I use for the band, the Ritzy Kids, and for my solo project. I used to use uh, another one. The annual fees were way more than what I got back in streams annually. So I suppose as a business decision, it wasn't the smartest option. So I moved all of my tracks over to the DistroKid and uh, ever since then it's been happy days. And if you are someone that's going to release some music and you haven't picked your distributor, like I said, you can click the link in the show notes here. Uh, Today you will get a discount. You'll be releasing music, putting it out to the world. I'm always encouraging of that. If you've got a song, it's on your brain, get in the studio, record it, release it, and use DistroKid. All right, let's get into today's episode. Let's go, boys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was so. me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. <laughs> Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't awesome. know what I'm doing today. I just sort of. Just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. I hope you're doing well. Episode 48 of the Street Press today. Can you believe it? And today is a very special one. It's the first time that we have a reappearance. Kevin Bull is appearing on today's episode. Uh, if you've been listening from the start, you'll know that Kevin was in one of the early episodes. And Kevin is a big reason that I became a journalist. We covered this in the other episode, but I thought I'd give you a bit of a recap. But about 15 years ago, Kevin and I bumped into each other at the shops of all places. He owned Reverb Magazine, which is a music magazine. And uh, we got chatting about bands and this and that. And then all of a sudden, you know, we exchanged numbers, emails. And before, you know, the week was out, I was already at a gig reviewing a show for him. And um, it really started my career in journalism. From that day, I've been interviewing people ever since. As he walked out of my house in the early episode that we did, I realized that we ticked off a lot of the boxes in terms of talking about the music magazine and reverb and its distribution and where it went and the success of it and all of that, yada, yada. But we didn't talk about him as a photographer. He's very talented. He's a, he's a real pro at rock photography. And I, I, was, I thought that that was a bit of a missed opportunity. So I hit him up and I said, Kev, got to get you back on. Um, this time, let's just talk about photography because I know that there's people out there that might listen to this podcast who can learn from it and uh, and you're the man to let them know. And uh, he politely accepted. So uh, yeah, we have a chat about photography and how to get the best shots uh, of a band if you uh, are taking photos, uh, what it's like on the days of festivals where you get all that um, exclusive access to the shows. Uh, Sometimes you only get like two or three songs where you're told that you have to take your photos. So you might have Elton John up there on stage and he's going to play for three hours, but they'll say, hey, it's only the first three songs that you're allowed to shoot photos and how chaotic that can be (laughs) Um, just in front of the mosh pit there in between the the mosh and the stage, how 
chaotic it can be with all the uh, photographers running left and right. We also talk about some of the events, some of his favourite events to shoot, some of his worst ones to shoot, and we talk about his book, 2019, A Year Before Lockdown. It is a, uh, it's an incredible book. I'll flick through it now. It goes, as you can see, lots and lots and lots of pages. Really incredible uh, photos in there by some of the best photographers in Australia, rock photography, and we talk about the book. So uh, without further ado, why don't we bring you on? This is Kevin Ball, my old boss and one of the best rock photographers you'll ever meet. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. How's things? Yeah, pretty good. You've got an EP coming out soon. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you'll get that. You'll you'll get that very soon. Actually, I might give it to you after this uh, conversation. Send through. through. Yeah, that'd be cool. And even if you hate it, just sort of say, um, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know how it works. It's great to have you back on, Kev. I think you were on episode eight, but you were actually the very first interview that I did for this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. All that time ago. You weren't on episode one, though. I I, I think I picked Lindsay over you, but. <laughs> yeah, and I'm happy with that. <laughs> it's good. How you been? You all right? Going okay. Been a busy week. Been a busy week. Yeah. Photographing. Yeah. So, oh, beautiful. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I did the church on Saturday and 10CC up at Wyong on Thursday. So the church, where was that one at? Civic Theatre, Newcastle. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. Love going to the Civic Theatre. It's a beautiful venue. Yeah, and Oya, I found this. Remember last time I didn't have it? Now I've got it. There you go. So so for those listening, I've got uh, Kevin's book in my hands. When it was released, it was quite eerie because uh, obviously it's called 2019, a year before lockdown, and basically it is a, a whole heap of rock photography in that year, in 2019. And uh, when you flipped through it when we were in lockdown, it was yeah. it was quite sad. The book came, it wasn't so much a lockdown project that just happened to be in during lockdown. Prior to this book, I'd put together two similar books, same size, looked exactly the same, but it was for um, what happened in Sydney what us photographers had shot during 2018 and 2019. So I'd already made all the connection with the photographers, had a process going to create a book, and I thought of what the next project might be along those lines and sort of came came on to this, basically. Yeah, we're in lockdown. We'd stop seeing live music. We'd stop photographing so let's document the last year that we photographed and we all went to live music this isn't just photos from iphones or whatnot this is some uh really good photography in here the, many of the well not many there's a lot of photos in here that never made it to any publication or any website or anything like that yep. so it's nice to get those in print um and um yeah, it was just, uh, it took like 12 months to run it through from start to finish, but it turned out nice. All the photographers were happy. We sold a few. We had to get all the approvals from every artist that was in the book, and there's 220 artists wow. in the book. I was going to say, it's thick. Yeah, well, it's like 240 pages or something like that, so it's quite heavy, and it's nice uh, paper stock. 
Um, all the photos seemed to turn out lovely. Um, and all the artists, mate, there was about a handful of artists who didn't want to get involved. It's honestly a really great uh, coffee table sort of flick through. And, um, well, I'm actually considering buying a coffee table um, just so I can put it on. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you you just brought up a few of the um, artists that sort of declined an opportunity like that. You don't have to say who they are, but what would their reasons be? I I can't even remember. I do remember a few, a couple. One that didn't work in with his plan for that year. Okay. There was that. Others just dismissed it with just a general, nah, not interested, and, and thanks for your contacting. And I didn't chase it up any further than that. So, yeah. But, you know, we're talking six out of 240 people. Yeah, you did pretty well. Hey, last time we had you on, and the real reason I want to get you back is because last time we had you on, all we did was talk about the magazine, which is great. I love the magazine, but I was like, as soon as you walked out the door, I was like, we haven't had him on about the photography. We didn't even mention the photography. I don't even think that much. <laughs> and um, and yeah, I really want to pick your brain about photography, especially rock photography. There'd be people that listen to this uh, podcast that um, I, I think could gain a lot of knowledge from that. Um, when did you sort of get into photography? and rock photography? Being accredited, uh, that started in 2007. Um, so that's getting into the pit and just getting some nice access. Prior to that, though, I was taking a camera into the pit. Um, I'm not into the pit, into shows. Mid-1980, I was taking my dad's SLR. Wow. He had a lovely Pentax ME Super and a really fast 50 mil lens, and I was trying to take that into everything for about three or four years, 83 to 86, in the pub, oh, Newcastle Workers Club. So I've got a lot of film photography of pub rock, Mondo Rock, Gowana, you know, Jimmy Barnes, you know, those sort of people. And that all stopped in about 87 when I got married had a family, and I didn't really pick up a camera to shoot live music for 20 years. Wow. And it wasn't until I purchased Reverb. And once I bought Reverb, I had the option of applying for access to shows. And it was simple as that. It was like the the gates opened. Such a great outlet to have have your own magazine and be able to show how good you are at this. Look, I, I've said a few times that the reason I bought the magazine so I, well, was to get access to shows, really. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, 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 an expensive way or in, in through the back door. Yeah. <laughs> I took full advantage of that. The, the first four years, I, that, that were the most I've shot ever in those first four years from the lake. What makes a great rock shot? Um, I think you have to feel something when you look at the photo. There's got to be an element of emotion or whether that's just pure action, like a guitarist throwing himself around and there's, or a jump shot. There's action happening. You've got to feel something from the image, I think. Sometimes shooting artists, it can be a bit difficult if they're just going to sit in front of a mic and, and not really give you much, but sometimes it's just a smile or sometimes, you know, looking in the other direction, it, it, it's something that draws you into the photo in the space of half a second a lot of things happen you know facial expressions and and things happen but you get an idea of where those moments could be sometimes patience and and really looking for the moments rather than just taking everything 
that lane between the barrier and the stage, it's uh, it's pretty busy with photographers. Um, okay. Have, have, have yeah. there been instances where you might have gotten annoyed with someone or someone's gotten annoyed with you in that, uh, you know, photographers running back and forth, the madness no, of it? No, not with photographers at all. Yep. No, no, we're all very courteous of each other and look out for each other. Um, if anything, it'll be new photographers who will come in and, don't have the etiquette well what you're supposed to be doing in there and they're just after the shot you know if a photographer stand in front of you and hold up his camera because he's a bit too low he wants to get a higher shot and you happen to be behind him Mm. i had that with um jane's addiction guy in the pit he was an older fella and i was shooting no problems had a nice shot of perry farrell i saw him come in underneath me as i was shooting i could see him there just yeah. Not in frame, but I can sense him there. And he's shooting and he's lower than me and that's cool because I've got a bigger lens and I'm over the top of him. And all of a sudden I get this frigging camera through my viewfinder and it's him holding his camera up right in front of my camera. So you get that every now and again. I gave him a whack on the shoulder and he turned around and apologised and scurried off. It's very similar to um, surfers and don't jump on my wave kind of thing. A little bit like that. Yeah, you, You're always cautious of where other people have, have set up their spot for the next 20, 30 seconds to try to get a nice photo from that angle. Um, and you let them do that. But, yeah, sometimes it can get quite crowded where you can't move at all, remembering back to, like, big day outs and things like that where they would accredit 80 photographers. Wow. And that's all right through the day when you've got seven stages and it's all spread out through the day. But you end up with headliners at the end where all of those 80 photographers want to shoot red-eyed chili peppers and they're in there and you can't move. You can't move. But it's a fun place to be. And, it, you know, you look back and you think, wow, I shot Big Day Out. You know, like it's a cool memory, isn't it? Was Big Day Out your favourite to shoot? No, it'd be Blues Fest for festivals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Blues. Yeah, that's very cool to shoot. But Big Day Out and Soundwave were unique because they were just so big. There was so much happening in those days. We shot and the photographers would turn up at midday, 1 o'clock, when there was no one in there. And we'd photograph all day up until 11 o'clock at night and we'd shoot 23 artists during the day. So it was a solid day but it was so much fun. And and there isn't anything like that now, even um, Download. Download was biggish, (laughs) one of the biggest sound wave and those festivals. So we don't have anything that large really. I used to love seeing your shots from Soundwave. I think it was actually a Slipknot shot. Uh, I remember what the, the show you're talking about because they're in I, overalls, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right in front, yeah, shooting up big expanse of lights behind him. <laughs> I knew the shot I wanted. I knew he did that. That he stood there on his little platform right at the front of the stage for the first song, basically, and just screamed. And yeah. I wanted that line of lights behind him going and filling that space and him just screaming over the top of me. And I stood there waiting and didn't move for the song and I got so many similar photos to that. I got the image I wanted. And then I went and moved and had a look at who else was on stage out of the nine other people or whoever were on stage. Yeah, those big 
festivals and lots of photographers are really memorable. Um, Soundgarden at the Entertainment Centre, I actually got paid for that. Yeah. I, was, I was shooting for the Entertainment Centre and I'm pleased that in that one shoot I probably got my best or favourite photo of Chris Cornell. So I was so pleased. You brought up the money, and obviously you don't. You know, we don't do it for 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 the money kind of thing. Um, money's always nice for these sorts of jobs, but um, that's the way it goes, doesn't it? I mean, like some music journos, music photographers, you do it out of the love of it, don't you? Definitely, I've sold a dozen prints in the last fifteen years, so yeah. it's not where the money is. It's more if you then moved into publicity photographing, uh, photograph and. Um, Touring with a band, yeah, that that sort of thing. So, or working directly for a festival as their core group yep. of photographers. That's where there's a little bit of money in it. When you get your um Chris Cornell in there, um, you know your shots of Lars Metallica. Do any of the shots ever get back to him? You know, have you had any instances where someone has looked at a photo you've taken and gone, "Hey, that's a cool shot." Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I've had photographs being used inappropriately. So how's that? So what's the inappropriateness of uh, of them? Are they putting it up and not tagging you? Or the two instances I was thinking of: one was uh, it being used in, or oh, both of them, in breach of copyright. So that's what it was, and I, I had to pull both of them up on it. But as for an artist sort of reaching out, like I've had artists share photos and, and things like that. As a performer, like uh, when a pro turns up with a camera and takes a shot and then like, you know, we get tagged later on or something, there's nothing better yeah. than than someone doing that. I, I, and I get that. And I, I like going out to smaller, uh, smaller venues and, and shooting when I'm out. I like doing that, especially for, yeah, I go down to Lincoln Pin a fair bit and I, yeah. I should get take the camera down a bit more often. I find it with those guys that are so appreciative. Well, yeah, you got a, a couple of nice shots of us uh, playing at the Mariners game. That was cool that time. That, that was, was a good day. So much fun. That was a, a good day. It's something that I've never photographed before. Well, in that sort of environment, never yeah. photographed. So it's it's trying to work out where the images are. Then you know, I, I could walk all around you back shots with the stage and things like that. So it was an interesting process, that, plus uh, getting up in the corporate box afterwards was a bit Yeah, had a few drinks and and food. It was good. It was a good day. (laughs) (laughs) And then they went and bloody won the grand final. (laughs) Wasn't that so good? They smashed them. That was so good. (laughs) Yeah. It was. It was. Um. It was amazing. We were at the uh, Railway Hotel in Gosford watching it, and uh, goal oh, after goal. Yeah, <laughs> it was electric at uh, the railway. Everyone was going nuts. I can imagine. Yeah, when when they started getting more goals, and it just became an <laughs> obvious win. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. Um, so this book, twenty nineteen, a year before lockdown. Uh, it's got a website. How could someone get their hands oh, on it? It, it, it's a problematic thing at the moment. You can order it. It wasn't purchased like we purchased 200 of them and yeah. we sell them. When you purchase it, they make it and they send it out to you. Yeah. It's from the US. The problem we've had with uh, the company that made it, this company called Blurb, I've used them for everything, and they're very good, great quality and everything like that. 
but their postage to Australia is quite excessive now. Yeah. Um, where back when I did this two years ago, it was I think it was about eighteen dollars to post it out from the US. Yeah, reasonable. Up at around thirty-eight, forty bucks now. That's okay. I think people are willing to chip in. It's a it's a good cause. I mean, it's um, it's a great book. It's got some incredible photos on it, and there's no book really like it at the moment. So, well, there isn't. It's a nice um, document for what we what we went through. What's the best photo you've taken? If for some reason someone was going to come in and burn every photo you've done, but you could only keep one. <laughs> oh, my, oh, look! The best one is that Chris Cornell photo. Yeah. Um, it, it was. Oh, I was going to say it's pure luck, but a lot of the time when you're photographing, there is a very big element of luck um, where, you know, there's five people on stage and you might be photographing the guitarist and it really should be the singer you should be photographing and, and looking at. So you miss stuff. So you're missing yeah. things all the time. What happened with that the Soundgarden photo? Everyone was overshooting the guitarist. You know, he had about 12, 15 photographers all stacked on one side. Mm. And I found myself in the middle of the stage in the pit by myself. And I was just shooting from that distance. Chris Cornell was over there with the guitarist and he walked straight across in front of me, leaving all the shooters by themselves, came across and then stepped forward to the edge and I was just by myself right next to him. And wow. I just had my wide angle of 24 mil. And he sat on the ground and shot up and managed to get him reaching his guitar out with crowd touching the fingers, <laughs> um, kept touching the, the strings. So it's like the perfect, perfect situation you wanted. So I've got that photo. Who do you want to shoot the most that you've never shot before? Never shot before. I've shot everyone, you I really, said. I should have really <laughs> thought about this because I've really, I, I hate to say it, but I, I've probably crossed off most of <laughs> I really want yeah, to shoot. Truly. About it, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to, I can't even think. It's, Isn't that amazing? I can't, you know, like. You've shot like the Paul McCartney, have you? No, I haven't shot Paul McCartney. That, oh, okay. That's true. Yeah, that, <laughs> there are people, but I wouldn't say he's. He's not someone uh, you're. Yeah, I, I like what he did and everything, but it isn't like um, the band that I was going. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I would have. Yeah, I would enjoy shooting Jane's Addiction more than Paul McCartney. I'd be shooting Paul McCartney from the sound desk to start with. Oh, okay. So, anyway. so, so what's the deal with that? Why do they get you there? I, I sort of get it with the older artists. It, it just makes things simpler. It's more of a people are seated. We're not in the way. Okay. And we, we do get it with older artists. But then again, we shot Smashing Pumpkins from the sound desk. Yes. Yet Jane's Addiction on the same night and everything and all the other bands were from the pit. So I'm not sure why they wanted that. All I could imagine is that they had a wonderful light show and they were probably hoping that we would catch more of that rather than just headshots and Billy Corbin. Kev, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast. Thanks for uh, being there all these years. Uh, you're the reason I interview artists and I'm still doing it. It's been bloody, I don't know, 15, 
maybe even longer than that now that I've been interviewing artists, but it's all because of you. But thanks for jumping on. Anyone else, get this book, 2019, a year before lockdown. And if you can't find online, come around to my house. and <laughs> if, they go, if they Google that, they will find it. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, all right, so- Kevin Ball. Thanks, Sean. Yes, there he is, my good friend and old boss, Kevin Bull. Thank you, Kev. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. Um, second time on, first time that we've had someone on twice, and I think we'll have you on a third time. We'll, we'll come up with a reason. Uh, there doesn't need to be a reason to have a good chat with Kev. All right, it's time for this. Yeah, this is the part of the show where you can write on in. Go to the streetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters. You write it, I'll read it. This week, a message from Lee. Uh, he is asking about songwriting tips. I kind of write sometimes, not songs, because I never finish them. I'll write a melody and a verse, but then I can't finish it. How do you come up with lyrics? It's pretty hard, mate. So I'm guessing, Lee, you're someone who sort of dabbles with the music side of things. You might write some chords. You might write some, um, you know, drum parts and you know, record a verse and a chorus and then it comes to lyrics and you're a bit stuck. I'm, I don't know. My, my advice is just to start writing anything. And the best songs I believe are songs that truly come from the heart. That is a cliche. But if you write about something that's happening in your life that is now, it's happening it makes you feel happy or it makes you feel sad if there's something, if there's tragedy in your life at the moment or if there's good things happening. If you start writing about it exactly how it is, um, I feel like you can finish a song that way because it's real. So my advice for lyrics and finishing songs is always write a real song, something that means something to you. It might also mean something to your family. Um, if you, if you sort of like make up a song, I think it's a bit harder. Well, I find it harder to write a song that doesn't, um, impact me. So that's my tips for writing lyrics. Um, and lyrics can come to you at any time as well. You've got to always remember that. So you've always got to be willing to, you know, you might be in bed, half asleep, think of a word or think of a line or a sentence. You have to write it down every single time. You just have to write it down. You might be driving. You have to tell Siri, put this in my notes. Um, otherwise, you know, when you lose a good idea, it's gone forever. So I hope that uh, helped you, Lee. Thanks for listening. And as for my band, the Ritzy Kids, got some big news. I've been uh, banging on about this in every podcast, it seems, for like the last, you know, couple of months. But our EP, Walking Talking Mess, is coming out next Friday, June 30. It's been a long time coming. We got into the studio in October. Scotty was doing the drums back then. We've been tracking guitars, vocals ever since. Willard, has our, uh, our producer, has sort of sent back the mixes and the masters. And if you want to get yourself a copy, go to theritzykids.com. Uh, June 30, it's coming out. We're going to be partying. Cannot wait for it, honestly. it's uh, It's been months and months in the making. And uh, I'll probably have a lot more to say about it next week's episode because it'll be two days out. But until then, have a good week. Take care of yourselves. Ta-da. Ta-da.